some kind of fried chicken genius bar now is all that we have. <laughs> You have to make an appointment. Yeah. You have to stand in line to get in line. It's just it's a whole thing. Hello and welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. I'm Brian Gates. And I'm Ben Golke. And we're back for season two. We are two. back. It is. It's season two. We're happy to be back. We had a nice little short break over the summer, which was much appreciated. Thank you for sticking with us. But we're back for new episodes. We'll be back kind of on schedule on the normal fortnightly release schedule that we've fortnightly. popularized. <laughs> um, so it's <laughs> we're the inventors of the fortnightly release schedule. Let's go. Yes. The intro now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Before the premier tech education podcast, we should invent something. Thought leaders. Uh, <laughs> that's right. So, so we're back, and today's topic is going to be all about uh, building a public narrative. So, how do you create a presence on the internet that will help you in your career and, uh, you know, help you advance and maybe create job opportunities for you. Um, there's all kinds of really great benefits you can have from having a, a story that you actively cultivate online through social media and other, um, other kind of more developer specific techniques. Um, so today's topic is all about that. How do we do that? Um, and we'll even get into how what we've done so far and maybe what we still have yet to do. <laughs> there could be a couple things on that list. <laughs> we should probably start out by defining the terms. Because when I hear the, the word narrative, I think of uh, something that has a, a structure and maybe a, a beginning point and an end point. And I wonder if public narrative is that same kind of thing. Yeah, so the way that I would probably define it kind of and how I've used it is just what what is the story that you want to present to the world about you either personally or in this case, we're going to kind of focus on more of your professional story. Um, social media is a great way to to convey a persona, right, a, a personality and, and, a, and a personal story about yourself, um, but you can also use it, uh, it and other tools to create a prof more professional type story. So that includes things like your resume, your LinkedIn profile, any of your social media profiles, if you use them for work, you know, use them to promote yourself in a professional context, um, your GitHub profile, your personal website, if you have a podcast, right? All of these different things are ways to convey a particular kind of um, professional story about where you've come from in your career and where, where you, what you're doing now and where you're headed. Um, so that's kind of why you use the term narrative, because there isn't necessarily an end. I mean, I guess the end would be your retirement, right? When you're done working. Uh, but during the time I'm a Gen are... Xer, I'm not going to retire. That's <laughs> not an option. So when when you're uh, you know when you're working, you have this kind of ongoing story, and it does evolve. I mean, mine certainly has. I started as a a network technician, and then you know doing kind of like system administration type stuff. Then I did Java. Then I did .NET. Then I ended up discovering iOS. So from a professional perspective. My story has, you know, my professional story has changed quite a bit and kind of what I'm good at and what I like to work on has changed. And so I think it's important to to convey that so that you then attract other people who might be interested in working with you or, you know, working at their company or something. You want to attract the right people so that you can end up with the right opportunities. Okay, so it's maybe a little bit different from using the word persona in that that implies something maybe static like here is what i am the end and what you're talking about is more here's how i got to where i am and therefore some sense of where i might be going yeah so yeah i think a, i think a persona is the the problem with that is it does it does at least to me it's it feels or it sounds very static like you were just saying um and i mean your your story is certainly this way and mine is as well my dad's we just had him on the podcast right every developer i've basically ever known doesn't have like i learned this thing in school and i execute on these skills in my job and then 40 years later i retire right that is just not how it works in the development world so i feel like a persona is not a great way to describe that because maybe we're just misinterpreting the the definition of that word but i feel like narrative makes more sense just because that implies a progression um, and, and persona does really doesn't, um, and at least in our industry, right in the tech industry in, in the development world, it is, we're definitely not standing still, right? We're constantly moving and evolving and changing. And I feel like that word might better encompass that, you know, that spirit. 
Okay, so you're presenting sort of an evolving persona, but not necessarily a narrative in the sense of uh, in all the information that you talked about, you could present, you don't have to have someone read first the resume and then the blog and then after that, the podcast and so on and so forth. There's not like right. a, an ordering to it. Exactly. Right. It is, it is, I mean, sort of when I say narrative or story, what I'm kind of thinking about is more like the sort of the, the oral tradition of like sharing your story, right? The, 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 either the narrative of your life or the narrative of, in this case, your, your professional career um, and making sure that you put that, you, you think about that carefully. The reason why I'm saying story and narrative as opposed to just tell people what you do, right, is that I think it's important that, that you curate it and that you edit it, right? The narrative kind of implies with the story that, that you're not just going to scribble some words down and then never look at it again, right? You want to edit it. You, wanna, you want to, you want to um, curate it and make sure that the story you're presenting in whatever medium we're talking about, whether that be a podcast or your resume or your website or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, that you are being careful about it and that you're not just blasting out words. In particular with social media, it's very easy to just think like, I'm just going to put all this stuff out into the ether and it doesn't really matter. And, and it doesn't, I don't have to even spell things correctly because who cares, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. If you want to be taken seriously as a professional, I think it's important that you present your best self. And so when I'm talking about building a personal narrative, what I mean is you need to think about these things and you need to be careful about them, right? Make active choices in how you design and present your information on your resume or how you, if you're going to tweet in a professional context, right, you're going to talk to other developers on Twitter or whatever. I'm not saying you have to, you know, like ad nauseum pour over your hundred or what, 280 characters for 20 minutes, making sure it's exactly perfect. But I, what I am saying is that you want to take more care with these things than you would if you were just chatting with a friend about some everyday type topic, right? Because you are trying to use this professional persona that you're that you're putting out there, this narrative, to hopefully attract other people who are like minded in a, in a professional context, and and create opportunities for yourself, right? Like to so that you know if the job you're in is not the job that you want, and you're trying to get a new one, um, the, you know the the better you can do at this part of it, I think the more opportunities will come to you. Um, and, and the, and they'll be, they'll be more aligned with what you want to do, right? Let's say you're a Java developer and you don't want to be that anymore. You want to get a job in a different language or in a different part of the development stack. And you've learned some skills to do that, right? You wouldn't want to be just throwing out all kinds of random Java things, right? Into your, in, in, into your public, uh, your public narrative. You'd want to be kind of switching yourself over to being more interested in these other things and, and portraying where you want to go, not where you've been in that sense. Um, so that you can, you can end up maybe attracting people who are in that industry and could maybe then give you some help, um, in, you know, uh, getting into that part of, of programming or whatever. I'd really like to get back to the subject of attracting the right audience and figuring out what that is. But first I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the idea of the narrative and whether it's um, kind of implicit or explicit. In other words, is it uh, putting information out there that someone can sift through? That might imply too much work on the part of the audience, but something that uh, the, the reader or the person experiencing it uh, can figure out what your narrative is, or is it pretty explicit in terms of you saying this is my story and and presenting it really in kind of a conventional narrative sense of I started in this industry and then I learned these things and I did that for a while and and here's how I got to where I am like you could look at my github profile for instance and you could tell that uh, at one time I was primarily a Ruby developer and then uh, for a while more vanilla JavaScript, and then a lot of React stuff starts to come up. And so you can pretty easily build a, a sense of what kind of things I have done in code, but that doesn't have the, that's not exactly the same as me telling people or writing down, here's what I did. 
Right. And I think that's a really great question. And I think um, my response to that would be like everything, right? It depends. So I, I think in certain contexts, it makes sense to have that, you know, your narrative be somewhat implicit, like you, the, the history of what you've worked on on GitHub publicly can people can infer from that what you've done and what you're doing now and that kind of thing. Right. Um, whereas I feel like a, a resume is much more an example of I am intentionally curating and sort of presenting my professional career in a specific way. So I am being more explicit about kind of pushing a particular perspective with that, right? Right. Highlighting aspects of each job that this is what is relevant to what I want to do right now and other things, even if they were 80% of my time while I was doing them, just don't really matter. And so I'm not going to talk about it much. Right. And, and we, we even told our students when we, when we worked at the Iron Yard that it was important to, uh, you know, and some people say that you should, you should have a different resume for every job you apply for. I don't know if you get, have to get that that intense necessarily, but certainly it's the case that you do want to, when you're applying for a job, you want to make sure that you are as best aligned for those, the goals and objectives of that job as you can be. And one way to do that is to, is to morph your resume to highlight the things that are most relevant to them. I'm not saying lie. That's no. very different. But what I am saying is you can, you can highlight certain things and you can kind of, you know, downplay other things that are just not because you're afraid of them seeing that, but just mostly because you want them to see certain things first. And the the reason is, quite frankly, they're not going to spend that much time on your resume, right? They're going to look at it for a minute. And so you need to make sure that you hit the the, the important points and you make those super obvious and that way they'll see them and they'll go, okay, this person is well aligned with the objectives that we have set out in this job description because boom, 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 I see those things, right? And the other stuff is not that I, that I, that you're trying to hide it or anything. It's just that they don't care, right? They, they're not going to care about those things. So why highlight them? Because all that's going to do is make it look like you are not as aligned as, as you might actually be. So in that case, I'm talking about things in that kind of context, I'm talking about a very explicit kind of narrative building, right? Where you're trying to portray, you're trying to market, um, this is all marketing, right? You're trying to market yourself from a pers- from a particular kind of light or perspective. Um, whereas like your GitHub history is an example of a lot more of like an implicit public narrative, because like you said, oh, I see that Brian worked on Ruby and then he, and then the more recent projects have been Java. And then more, most recently, he's JavaScript. Been a lot of, JavaScript, uh, never JavaScript, Java. never Java, yes, JavaScript, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> JavaScript. Um, and then most recently, uh, like React and, you know, a particular front end framework. Um, so that would give me a general sense. And I think that makes sense. Like if I'm a hiring manager and someone hands me a resume that they say, this Brian is a pretty good fit for this. We should, we want you to interview him. I would look at your resume and then I would also go look at your GitHub history to see, okay, this is what he's, this is how he's marketing himself in the resume. Does that some, in some way sort of comport with what it looks like he's actually worked on on GitHub, right? So that's what I mean by being more intentional about your narrative is like, you should pay attention to these things, right? How your resume relates to your GitHub history and how, you know, if you, if those two things line up, but then all all you talk about on Twitter is how much you love, you know, a a different language, golf or, or like I'm all about 3d printing or whatever, right. Then you know, it, it can, it can be, it can create inconsistencies. Jarring. It can be yeah. jarring. Yeah. So that's what I mean by, by the reason why I'm, I'm really, the reason why I'm saying narrative is because narrative sort of implies intention and, and, and careful, critical thought. Not that I'm saying that your, that your story, your professional sort of persona should fit into a narrative structure, just that, okay. that really that narrative means that you aren't doing it in a haphazard slapdash kind of way that you're instead thinking employers and other people in the community are going to be looking at the things about my professional career that are public right in particular if you work for a company where your the code you write is is private right they're gonna if you're gonna if you want to get a new job they have to have some grounding in in what your deal is and what you're good at and so they're going to just sort of grab at the public things that are out there and so what i'm saying is because that's going to happen then you should worry a little bit about making sure that 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 collection of public things that make up in totality sort of the narrative of your professional career are are somewhat intentional and are and and that you are marketing yourself in the way that you want to be marketed right so that you don't end up 
being, you don't end up accidentally telling a story that you didn't mean to. And then you're going to get a bunch of offers and, and different things for like, why do I keep getting offers for this thing? It's, I don't want to do this. Right. And it's because right. it, it could be in part because your narrative is not aligned well enough with what you want to be doing. Um, and, and so it's not anyone's fault on the other side. It's just that they saw what they saw and they thought you'd be a good fit. Right. So they're sending it to you. Whereas if you are more intentional about steering it, then you can hopefully end up with, uh, opportunities that would, you know, that you'd be more interested in. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a, a really powerful idea and it's something that I, I really want to be true in general. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it is, but it's an idea that I've been coming across in a lot of different arenas that, uh, that you don't have to have success everywhere, right? And I think we can all agree that's true. You don't have to get every job that there is. You'd like to get a job and uh, you would like to, you know, have a spouse maybe, and you'd like to have a place to live. And so it, it doesn't really matter if most of the things out there uh, are not for you because of course they're not for you. There's a giant diversity of, of stuff for a lot of different people and you just need to find your one thing. And uh, so that I think would lead people away from the practice of setting out the 500 resumes to every possible position and saying, well, I could, I guess working there would be all right. I mean, it's a job, right? I want a job. I want a job, some job anywhere. Just give me a job. Please have me have a job. And because when you do that, you're you're definitely not going to be aligned with 500 different places. But if you can find like the one place, and we we both had we tell, talk about this all the time. We've had the experience of finding the one place where we're just everybody we worked with we thought was great, and we agreed with what the company was trying to do, and we were I think good at our roles in the company. And if that was the only job we had applied to, then it would, everything would still work out great, right? Because we were aligned with there and you just need to find the place that you're aligned with the best and get in there. And that, that sounds so appealing. And I just, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that being possible because it feels like finding that one place that you're aligned with the best. How, how is that possible? Yeah. So, and, and I want to make it clear when I'm talking about all of this work that, that I'm encouraging people to do to kind of cultivate a public narrative. I don't, I'm not saying that in any way that work will directly lead to a, to your best dream job that you've ever had immediately or at mm -hmm. all. Right. Like mm -hmm. this is not, this is not a matter of do these things, do these 10, this is not a listicle on, you know, BuzzFeed, right. This is not do these 10 things and you'll get a great job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that basically, in my opinion, this is table stakes. You need to do this so that you will stick out from all the other people who are not doing it. Um, but sticking out doesn't mean you're going to get the best job you've ever had. It just means that the chances of that happening increase. So okay. that's that's really all I'm saying is that I feel like the 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 methodology that that a lot of people have gone with, which is apply to 500 places and see what happens, right? Just sort of throw as many darts at the wall as you possibly can. And maybe one of them will stick. Yeah. I've never found that to be that helpful. Like I, in, in my, in my, I haven't never applied to 500 jobs at once, but, but I have, I have applied to when I, when I've been in places where I need a new job, I have applied to dozens of places in one, yeah. let's say two week period. I find right. 20, 30, 40 different companies. Of, yeah. And I just boom, 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 just, just throw out as many resumes as I possibly can. And these are senior level iOS positions that are, being advertised as being available, right? Like in theory, the company wants someone to work for them. And in so many cases, I just get nothing. I get no response at all. I don't ever get anything back. Um, and, and so I've not found that to be a very effective strategy for me personally. And, you know, in the context when we've had students, um, I haven't found that to be that effective either. Like, you know, the, the careers team at Lambda School where I work now, we don't advise our students when they're getting finished up and ready to start looking for jobs. We're like, do not do that, right? That is not an effective way to get a job. It's going to be very tiring because you're going to spend all this time doing this work and you're going to get nothing back. And then you're just, the time that you spent on that, you could be spending it in just a, such a different way to, to much you know, uh, more greatly increase your chances of, of getting something 
by just doing approaching it from a different perspective and that's what i mean it's like basically the you know work smart not hard right so don't don't just blast out 100 emails to 100 companies that aren't that are not going to respond to you but instead try and get people to come to you right that's that's what i think uh people want right is 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 how awesome is it when when you are a member of a community and maybe you then put a call out to i'm looking for a new position right yeah and then people yeah. come to you with offers that's that's what i would love for everyone to be able to experience is is be sort of burdened with choice right where you've you've got multiple opportunities that are coming to you that you could pick from but so what i'm saying is what kind of what i'm saying is like it's like playing the lottery if you don't do any of what we're talking about here the chances of that kind of thing happening to you is extremely low right if you do some of these things it doesn't mean it's going to happen but it does mean that the chances increase right if you don't play the lottery you definitely will not win right you probably won't win even if you do play right but you definitely won't win if you don't play and that's kind of what i've come to as a you know as a conclusion of this kind of topic is these, this stuff is, in my opinion, kind of table stakes. Like in order to be respected in the community, in order to be someone that is that does have a reputation that will lead to opportunity, you do need to have a reputation at all. And if you're going to have one, why not have a good one, right? Why not have one that you've kind of thought about a little bit and that you've that you've portrayed yourself in the way that you you know that you would be happy with. You know, if you if you were someone else and you saw this public narrative of this you know, person X, if you would be impressed and pleased by that, by that narrative, that's the narrative that I want for myself. Right? I, I want one that is that will be helpful and to me and helpful to the community. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say table stakes, to me that implies the the absolute bare minimum, like no shirt, no shoes, no service. You know, we. There's no chance if you don't have this. But then you also said this is really useful to get you to stand out from other people, which to me feels like kind of a different, different beast. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm using maybe a soft table stakes. Like, I don't mean that literally this is not possible if you don't do these things. But what I'm just saying is that in today's world, right, in particular, because software development is probably one of the most in demand industries in the entire world, right? And it is the case that there are far more people that need software development work done than there are people to fill those jobs, right? That's that's That has been true and that will continue to probably be true for a little while at least. The demand is outstripping the supply. And so that's why, for example, places like the Iron Yard existed and why Lambda School exists to try and create a new generation, a new crop of people who are, are competent and and can successfully build that the software that we're going to need for the future um so because all that is the case i feel like software development is um it's a little bit more intense perhaps than some other industries and there are lots of people who are interested in being software developers and so they go to places like lambda school and they or to college and they get these skills and now there is even though it is true that there's more jobs than there are people um for whatever reason I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you've experienced this, but it seems like to me, even though that appears to be true, kind of generally speaking at the macro level, there are still lots of jobs that are open that people apply to and then they remain open. Like they don't they don't find for whatever reason, they don't get filled as quickly as you would think. Um, and so I think part of that is because people that are looking for jobs are not they're not aligning themselves. They're not presenting themselves in the best possible light. And they end up in a scenario where they might apply. They might even interview and then they don't get it. Not because they weren't a good fit in reality, but because they just didn't present the right, they didn't get the, they didn't get hooked in the right way. Right? Like maybe you put out a resume that wasn't quite what you, what it should have been. And then the person doesn't, they, they toss your resume in the bin, right? When you would have been a good fit, but because you didn't do enough, to stand out they just didn't consider you so it's because of the human element of this there's lots of kind of there's this like ineffable quality of you just need to sort of find a way to stand out and and so that's kind of why i why i say it's table stakes only because it seems like the way that we've been doing it isn't really working that effectively we're not efficiently combining resources people right with 
with positions. And so maybe we need to change the minimum right requirement to make that be better. Yeah, I, I vigorously agree with you that we're not doing it efficiently. I'm not going to use the phrase table stakes here, but I I think that the the job application process there are similarities to um, like dating websites. I think I've used that analogy before, where if you go on these things and see the list of requirements for either, uh, they're very similar in that they are um, absurd kind of wish lists, right? I'm I'm looking for someone who's a a maintainer of any major open source package and has a, you know a, a PhD thesis that has won at least three awards and has been published to great acclaim and you know being adapted into a movie starring Will Smith and and likewise you know the dating sites are looking well for Will Smith frankly or something like that and and they're just not realistic kind of. Uh, hopes but uh there's the feeling among the people making the list that well there's a million people out there interested in this and so i'm going to set the bar absurdly high and then i will get the best of the best of the best not really thinking that there are a million other people who are also looking at the million other searchers and so we end up that's where the inefficiency comes from right is that you have a million people applying to a million positions and everybody thinks they're going to somehow rank order the million and get the best thing, which is not really possible. But you can avoid that. I think what you're talking about is having um, this this narrative, this this um, presentation of yourself that makes it clear that you are a really great fit for a very small number of those positions and yes. you don't need to be a really great fit for a hundred million different jobs. You need to right. be a really great fit and you are a really great fit for something. And you just need to make it clear with everything about yourself that you put out there that you might be the best person in the world to design an Android app for civil war reenactments. Yeah. Because that's a very particular niche. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And if you love both of those things, then you have all this domain knowledge and then all this software. Even if you are not the best Android developer in the world, um, but if you can say, I am great for exactly this, and then you can find exactly that, then you're gold. Yeah. Jay Leno has, as famously, has this giant warehouse full of cars, right? A and cars, a couple of the right. cars that he owns are steam-powered because way back in the <laughs> early days of right. of car development, that was one of the powertrains, right? Yeah, they were yeah. like, let's make it steam-powered. And so he has a couple that are steam-powered. And as you might imagine, finding a steam engine mechanic <laughs> is pretty difficult. And right. he, he managed to find and employ a guy who I, I'm pretty sure, I could have this wrong, but I'm pretty sure he learned how to do this work from his mm -hmm. dad. Um, mm -hmm. And he's now a accomplished steam engine mechanic. Uh -huh. So in, in Jay's case, right, he has a need, a demand for a job that is going to be very difficult to fill because the skills required are very specific. The guy has very specific skills that are pretty much worthless to anyone Everyone except else. for this small, tiny group of people that might need someone right. to help fix their steam engines. And so right. that alignment happened and he works there and, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's, he's doing a great job to keep those engines running um, and working. And so in that case, that's a perfect example of a very niche demand and very niche supply aligning mm -hmm, properly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's really what I'm saying is like, you don't want to be, I mean, some people maybe don't care. Maybe there are, we, there are mercenaries who exist in the development world who kind of like, I, I like working on anything and I don't really care and I can learn anything. And, and they're very generalist. Um, and that's fine. If that's how you want to be, go for it. It, it. Just speaking for myself, I am a huge fan of the iOS platform and I have cultivated skills on that platform, developing applications. And that's really what I'm interested in doing, right? Is building, or in my current case, teaching, right? iOS development, because that's what I love. When I get 
emails from random recruiters about like Android jobs or or JavaScript jobs or hey, I saw ten years ago you did a little bit of dot net. We have this dot net position. It's like no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do any of that, right? You, you as the recruiter are basically wasting your time by messaging me because I'm not interested. And so that's an inefficiency there, right? Like it almost makes me want to take the stuff off my resume and take yep. it off of LinkedIn because I don't like, want to, don't hear about want that to attract world anymore. that kind of yeah. stuff anymore. It's not interesting to me. So that's really what I'm saying is, uh, you know, you don't like, I mean, I th as usual, right, my ramblings turn into a very concise <laughs> uh, sort of boiling down of the point when you when you kind of reiterate what I said. But I think uh, what you said about like, you don't have to be everything to everyone, right? In fact, that's not going to be a good strategy. You're not going to end up in a good place probably that way. Whereas if you are a great fit for some people, Boom. Now you now you've 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 hit on, I think, the part that will make you happy um, and fulfilled in your career. It does make it a little harder because the pool of people that would employ you are smaller. Well, does it make it harder or is it it's a different set of difficulties? And I think kind of a more manageable set of difficulties, too. Yeah. So maybe hard in a different way, not necessarily harder overall, but just hard in a different way. Um, so you have to employ different strategies to right, overcome that right. difficulty, right? So blasting 100 emails to companies is not going to work. And and that's why I think that the public narrative development is a good way to combat that difficulty and to try to, as long as you're basically presenting yourself in a way, in a, in a consistent way, where you're saying, this is me, this is my story, this is what I'm interested in, this is what I like to do, this is what I'm good at, the chances of those people that we're talking about who might want to employ you finding you are higher because you kind of keep pumping out this this information and this story about yourself into the world that is consistent and that will create, uh, you know, through the powers of things like social media algorithms, the chances of them kind of stumbling across you are a little bit higher. I'm not trying to say this is a guarantee because it's definitely not, but they, it just, you want to try and sort of work the system and leverage it maximize your chances yeah leverage it in your favor right like a lot of this stuff is leveraged against you so so what i'm saying is like look at the system and try and create leverage for yourself so that your um your desires right your your desire to have a particular kind of job and do a particular kind of thing are more likely to to occur that reminds me of something that i i used to intermittently preach to the students and something frankly i could do much better at myself, which is to uh, become part of multiple communities, not just software development. It's certainly valuable to get out to the software meetups and to, to find online platforms that are talking about software development, but also to spend time with other interests and to make it clear when you're around the people with the other interests that, hey, I'm not just a civil war reenactment enthusiast or i'm not just a you know a dog owner or a, a crossfitter or whatever but i'm one of those people who also knows uh, more about software development than any of the other crossfitters or dog owners or civil war reenactment people so that people in that community um, pretty quickly come to identify you as the expert in that thing which is a lot harder to do if you're in just general software development, because then you're competing against other software developers for the title of person who knows most about software. But it, it's a much different playing field when you're among people who have another shared interest and in something else that you're very comfortable uh, and fluent talking in and, and very happy to spend a lot of time learning about. But then you also have this other side of yourself that you're the only one. Yeah, I really like that. When you were when you were saying that, I, I thought I mean, I thought of uh, of like um like professional biodiversity and yeah. like you don't want to just yeah. spend time with people who do the exact same thing as what you do because like you said you are a very small fish in a big pond in that sense right whereas if you go to other communities they might still have needs software development probably type needs they do right um, that's our assumption they probably do right software is yes. eating the world so it is it is it kind of has encompassed all facets of life so if you if you do surround yourself with other kinds of people you then become kind of the the popular person at the party in that in that sense where where they're like oh you do that oh that's cool like I didn't I don't personally know anyone 
that does that, but now I do. And maybe if I have a need, I might, you know, come, I might be more likely to come to you for it than sort of searching the web or, you know, doing kind of a blanket yeah. kind of search thing. So yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. I mean, not only because that way you, you get a chance to experience other kinds of things, it's always good. Um, but, but in particular, if we're talking about marketing yourself, you, you kind of want to go both where the potential work is and also where other suppliers of that work are not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea of uh, that word marketing, that's something that as we both come from a fairly longstanding tech background, that's a word that has always had negative connotations, right? For it's true. Yeah, it's true. And I think, uh, from the perspective of a long time ago, deservedly poor reputation because there was a lot of just bad stuff associated with marketing. But I, I think there's kind of been a renaissance and a, a rebirth and a rethinking of what marketing means. So maybe we should talk a bit about the the newer, better kind of marketing. Yeah. Uh, and and I, use the, I use the term marketing in the sense that I've kind of come to the conclusion that basically all human interaction yes. is marketing in some yes. way or another, right? I mean, every single time you open your mouth and I mean, this, what we're doing right now, sure. this podcast is marketing in the sense that we want you to listen to our show. So we want to create content that is interesting and compelling to listen to, and hopefully will provide value to you as a listener. So that's, this is essentially marketing. Um, and even when you're talking to some person you met at the party and you mentioned that you're a software developer and they go, oh, that's cool. What, you know, what do you work on or, or what is that like or whatever? And you start describing it, you're yes. marketing yourself right there. You're, you're, you're presenting the skills that you are, that you know, and the knowledge that you have. Um, and even if it's, even if you have no conscious intention to try and convince them to then hire you to build an app for them. Nonetheless, you are putting out content into the world, into that person's ears, right? That they might take in and then maybe they don't do anything with it right now, but maybe six months from now, a friend of theirs says, hey, I need an app built. And they're like, you know what? I know this guy, Ben, I met at the party. He's really good. You should talk to him, right? It, it, all, all of it, it's all marketing. Yes. Any, any attempt to influence the mind of another human being, right? Is, that's yeah. the kind of category right. that we're talking about. It's a very, very broad category. Right. And if you, I think if you think about it that way, it has a lot less of that negative sort of slimy, someone's trying to be slick and sell you something sort of connotation. Or at least it, it leaves open to something that could either go very well or very badly. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, so it still could be terrible, but but it but it's, has the opportunity to not be terrible and actually be quite right. useful, um, both to you when someone's marketing to you, or in this case, what we're talking about is you marketing to others right? Yourself, you're marketing yourself to the world um, so that you can, you can find opportunities. I think, you know, luck is definitely there. There is a certain amount of serendipity to it, but I think pro professional luck, right? Like having, having a job or a series of jobs that you've enjoyed working on and stuff. It is as much about um, prep preparing for that, right? Preparing for that to happen and then putting yourself into positions that opportunities will come to you. And that collectively could be known as luck, right? Someone outside of that scenario might look at that and go, this person was like super lucky, right? They showed up and this person, other person needed this thing done and they like made this deal and then boom, they have a job, right? They're so lucky. It's like, well, maybe, right? That's, it's possible that it could have been completely like just ad hoc like that. Well, yeah, that there's, there's probably an element of that, but at the same time, nobody who sits alone in his house and never tells anyone what he's doing gets lucky in any sense of the word. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of thing, right? Like what I was saying with the lottery analogy, if you don't play, you definitely won't win. So, so you can't be lucky if you don't put yourself in scenarios where opportunities can come to you. And then if you're not prepared to take those opportunities and, and use them, you also will not be lucky in that sense, right? Like you have to prepare for them and you also have to put yourself out there. So, um, that's really what I mean. Not only can you do that in person, but you can also do that online, right? You can do that in, you know, in a digital sense where you've got a Twitter profile, you've got a resume that's maybe on your website, you've got a blog, you've got a LinkedIn profile, you've got a podcast, right? You've got different ways that you're kind of putting your story out into the world and people will consume them in different mm, ways that word. and at different times <laughs> that you hate. 
they will they will experience them uh, in different ways, right? And at different times, and they and that can that can lead to opportunities. I I'm gonna be very careful and not say that it will because there's no guarantee, but it can lead to opportunity. And I'd like to back up and explain that the word consume when used for media, I just I think that's weird. I know that's what everyone says, but I'm I here I take my stand. I can do no other. <laughs> yeah, in our pre-show, we were talking about how it kind of implies that you can that in the you way you'd consume process yeah. something, and then and then it's gone, right? It is it is no longer right. around. Which is if you read a tweet, it's still right. there. It's just you've maybe yeah. That's just so. If anybody has a has a good idea for a replacement please, for, for media please consumption, suggest a different word. <laughs> tweet us. We're at NBC Podcast. Um, so with that in mind, uh, all of what we've talked about. Um, maybe we could briefly talk about like kind of what we've done, how how we have uh, approached this idea um, in our own professional careers, and maybe what we would like, what is undone, right? We would what we'd like to yeah. do um, to further that goal. So why don't we start sure. with you, Brian? <coughs> Excuse me. Mainly, I'd say what I've done has been in the implicit realm. I have a fair amount of stuff, largely thanks to our time at the Iron Yard. At least that uh, provided the impetus to start developing more of a public profile, uh, largely in terms of um, a couple areas, going to meetups, presenting there, and then joining you on this podcast have been the two main uh, outlets where I, I talk about anything to do with tech. And uh, probably the common thread among those is that I'm presenting myself, or I, I hope to present myself as somebody who can help people understand more about technology and make them feel good about how much they can understand. Yeah. And that, that, those are two, I think two great examples of how you can do that. One is maybe more implicit. And then this, I think this is definitely an example of an explicit, you know, narrative creation yeah, where that. you voluntarily join this podcast and you participate every other week to, to, to produce it. So um, those are, I think, great examples. Are there things that you think you would, like to add yeah, to that I, list I of, would, of places? I would really like to blog. Uh, apparently, I would not like to do it so much that I've made time in my week to do it. So that's uh -huh. something that I think I should change. But I like so many yeah. things. <laughs> but that's that's pretty close to the top that I would like to, and I know I'm capable of, and so I must simply schedule that. If we hearken back to the beginning of the year, that was one of the things that I was going to do was make a little time every day and uh, shame on me. I have not done that so far as our friend David used to say. And and that's something that is, you know, I think it's a very common thing to, to say that you want to do something and just not really have the time for it. But I do think that, like you said, it's, it's the kind of thing that you actually have to actively carve out yes. space in your yes. day to do and say, I'm going to devote from this time 8 30 in time. the morning to nine mm -hmm. in the morning this half hour i'm going to spend only doing this and i'm going to commit to doing that every single day or, or or every friday or whatever um because if you like oh, i'll fit it in somewhere right? like it just it doesn't it just yeah. never happens so that is something that that we would encourage you to do if you want to add like this kind of stuff to your to your schedule put literally put it on your calendar right like literally make an appointment with yourself to do like that in that case right blog or or, or set aside time to record a podcast or whatever. Um, that's really good advice. Uh, for me, I've got the, the podcast, of course. Um, I've got, uh, I do have a blog. It does exist. It has four posts on it. So it's not, <laughs> okay. it's not zero, um, but those posts were created over, I a think. A pretty like, new undertaking then? <laughs> uh, well, those posts were, 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 were created over a period of two years. Um, so, okay. So they're just sort of what I've got so far. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would like to do it more. I I have used it as, as an excuse that I don't like the design of my website, and I've actually gone over I think three or four revisions of it. I have finally found one that I genuinely like. Ah, so right. BenGolke.com. It'll be in the show notes. Um, it's uh, it's just my personal website, um, uh -huh. and it uses Jekyll. Um, so it's a statically hosted blog on GitHub Pages, which is fantastic because I can just write Markdown and commit and push, and it'll appear. Um, and so I've got some tutorials on there um, for iOS, for Objective-C and Swift um, that I, I finally like the way that they're formatted, which it took forever, but I finally found one. Um, and then the blog format I also like as well. So at this point, I've run out of excuses to not add more content to it. Um, and so that that is the plan is to try and start doing that. And I think 
like I just said, right? I'm just going to have to find a spot in my day somewhere, put a calendar event with a reminder in it that it'll, my phone will ding and I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now because any other method is just doesn't and work. What other things that you just said in your description of why there are four posts are things that you would jump on if a student had said them to you? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. What what are what are some of the what are some of the things that if you heard from a student you would object to? Well, the idea that the design is somehow limiting you from being able to write that has, those things are not related no. at all. Right. Um, Correct. And uh, and the fact that I've got four over two years is you know it's better than nothing, but it's certainly it's true. You you haven't created a habit, right? If you want this to exist, it needs to be yes. a habit, um, and and so you have to just. Like I said, make a make make an obnoxious, super loud buzz go off on your phone, right? Every day or whenever mm-hmm, it is you mm-hmm. set aside, and and make it somewhat unavoidable to 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 miss, um, yes. so that you can. And then once and then once you've done that, then put your twelve point times new Roman text out on the internet for everyone to see. Yes, yes. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter exactly how you get it out there. The important thing is to get it out there. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. So here we are giving advice to ourselves. And if anyone else is listening, that's fine. But mainly, mainly I want us to hear this message. Mainly us. Yeah. Um, so I also have, uh, I host or I, um, I organize a meetup in Orlando for iOS developers. So that's another way that I'm trying to sort of creating a public narrative for myself professionally. Um, and is there anything else? I think that's about it. Uh, so yeah, I guess the meetup, the podcast, my blog, which is, you know, a little stagnant at the moment, but hopefully we'll get going here soon. And then Twitter. I do have a Twitter account. Um, that's just my personal Twitter account. I tend not to, I don't really enjoy posting lots of personal details about myself. It's just not my thing. So I mostly use it in, in even though it's my personal Twitter, I mostly sort of interact with, um, you know, other developers and stuff like that. So in fact, I to try and live this this idea uh, a couple of days ago. In fact, I actually went in and I and I um, unfollowed some people on Twitter, some accounts on Twitter that I felt did not align with what I was trying to portray and what I was interested in in experiencing on my feed. So I've tried to actually I decrease some of the sort of general interest stuff and I increased yeah. the for example the amount of iOS developers that I follow. So I added some mm-hmm. more people. Um, I added uh, some some like tech podcasts and some other Twitter accounts that I think are more relevant to that kind of work, right? The iOS development stuff. Um, and that's what I'm going to try and use Twitter for basically as a way to interact with other developers and other technology people. And that's what I'm, that's what I've kind of decided I want to use Twitter for. So rather than using it as a general interest, I follow a million things that are all my interests I'm actually going to kind of focus it on purpose, partly because Twitter's become somewhat of a sort of toxic wasteland of horrible, 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 horrible. So rather than just leaving it right entirely, I do think it has value, but I'm just going to intentionally focus that, um, that content that comes in to fulfill that particular need that I have, which is to kind of interact with other developers. How good of a job do the other developers do in terms of, of maintaining that focus because what has kept me from uh, much interaction with Twitter ever is the sense that people who, who could do just fine being technologists will instead let me know their thoughts about the Supreme court and about various other. So I have, I I have in the past and I, and I am going to continue to be this way. I have a fairly ruthless uh, policy on social media where if I follow someone because I'm interested in hearing what they have to say and I decide that their thoughts are like they're, I'm interested in their thoughts about technology or about whatever. And then their thoughts tend to constantly stray into a million other places that I don't care about. Like for example, I'm not a sports person and some people use their tech focused Twitter account to tweet about the latest basketball game findings. And it's like, I don't care. So what I care about is hearing about your technology perspective. And if you're not going to share it on this, in this medium, then I will find another way to, to be able to experience that from you, from your blog or right. And I'm just going to unfollow you. Like I, I don't, I don't care about your, about your sports stuff. So I'm just going to unfollow you. And well, and I think there are a couple, um, clarifications to, 
to make there. One is if you want to be people who are pretty close to the way Ben and I are, then you'll want to have a Twitter feed that is basically purely technology focused. But if you don't want to be exactly like we are, there's room on the earth for other kinds of people. And so if you want if you want your Twitter feed to be evenly split between um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Java, okay, you can do that. Neither one of us will want to look at your Twitter feed, but the vast community of, of Java mixed martial artists will think that's the greatest thing in the world. And if you want to have front-end development and your thoughts on whatever political figure, I, there's probably an audience for that too. It's not us. But there are other people. And, and so the, the key is to not say, I'm going to come up with the Twitter feed and the blog and the podcast that doesn't bother every, anybody and everyone will love, because that's not possible. The, the key is to say, here is me. Here is the honest view of what kind of a person I am and what I like and what I don't, what I care about and what I don't. And, you know, take it or leave it. I hope you take it. I hope that you... Are, are a kindred spirit. And if so, that's great. Let's get to know each other and communicate on that basis. And if not, then uh, certainly no need to like attack people or you know, de-platform for disagreements about stuff, but just that's someone I will ruthlessly prune, as Ben said, from, from my feed and from my interactions, because that is really not my kind of thing. Right. Yeah. We're not saying that you shouldn't be diverse in thought, right? I think intellectual diversity is great. Um, and it's sorely needed in this modern context. Um, I am not choosing to use Twitter to do that, to, to get that right. diversity of thought. Right. Um, I use other avenues to do that. Other things. Uh, sure, other, there's sure. lots of ways you can consume media, right? So I, I'm going to do it in a different way for that kind of thing. What I've decided is that what brings me the most joy for Twitter is if I can focus that interaction on technical iOS you know, um, uh, that kind of banter yeah. back and forth. That's what I'm going to use it for. Um, but feel free to use it in kind of whatever may, way makes sense for you. But I would encourage you to, you know, don't feel like you have to consume everything and don't feel like you have to make everyone like you, right? Like like you were just saying, yes. Brian. Uh, so set up your various systems to be able to, in totality, get a diversity of thought right and and opinion that's yeah that's a valuable point but but don't feel like everything must be for everyone right if if you think that all you care about on twitter is basketball great right set up your twitter feed to do that um no one is saying that it has to be any particular way it's just we're kind of sharing i at least i am sharing the way that i've decided i want to use twitter what i'm saying is at least for the things that you utilize to build your public persona and your public narrative around your professional career think about it and and think about it from a broader context and try and present your your best self and try and present a narrative that will take you in a direction that you want to go rather than i think that's the key thing then yeah. letting it just sort of happen and then you end up with a bunch of like dot net recruiters sending you emails right like that's, you don't if that's not what you want then don't do that then, you know, portray yourself in a different way. Yeah. And I would say there's probably people are going to feel a tension between what is best and where you want to go. And the way I think to resolve that is to uh, present yourself in the most, the most honest fashion, the, the, the best honest view of yourself. Yeah. Because an honest view is one, hopefully where you are conveying your intentions, right? Yes. And if you're intending to go down a particular path, you want to become an iOS developer, you want to do this particular kind of work, if that's a pure intention, then that will be portrayed in your honest portrayal of yourself. And one more point I'd like to make about uh, the idea of marketing and what it is, and this is something that I think Ben and I share, is that uh, in our public personas and in our careers, we want to help people who are fairly new to technology get better and more comfortable with it. That's something we've, we've both come across that we really enjoy. And um, that's not something that everybody wants to do, which is fine. But I think uh, a key aspect of the, the new way of looking at marketing that we're talking about is that you want to help somebody. That's what it is. That's when we talk about you want to influence somebody's mind. The way you want to influence somebody's mind is to say, 
somebody has a problem that I can solve, that I can help, that I can make better. And uh, the, the persona that you come up with and the narrative that you build needs to have that audience. You need to find the people whose problems you can solve, and then you can present yourself as being someone who can solve their problems. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a perfect encapsulation of what we're talking about. And so to do that well, you need to kind of consider those goals and then and then approach how you're going to do that with your resume and your LinkedIn and your Twitter and your and all the ways that you that you present yourself to the world. You want to kind of keep those goals in mind when you're doing when you're filling those things out and you're and you're creating those public uh you know places where you describe who you are and what your story is so that way you end up where you want to be right you end up helping people in the ways that you want to help them and I th- part of that that I think may be useful and this is an idea that I came across very recently I've been reading um, a book by a guy named Seth Godin who's pretty influential in this space uh, the book is called this is marketing so guess what it's about and uh, he has some really striking images like the idea that uh, you would never build a key and then run around looking for a lock that it fits. <laughs> right. Right. You, you never come up with what you hope is a solution and then look for the problem that happens to match up. You find a lock and then get the key that, that unlocks it. And in the same way, uh, instead of sending out your resume to 500 different uh, job openings and hoping that one of those locks matches this key that you already have go around looking at the locks first and looking at the the companies that have problems first and figure out is this the exact right place for me to fit in right yeah in the in the words of our campus director from the iron yard susanna miller she used to tell the students all the time right before you apply to a job go to their website and understand what they what they do as a company and how they approach the problem space that they're in and, and what their solutions are and what they find important. And then again, don't lie, but just sort of make sure that you are highlighting the fact that you are a good fit to solve those same problems. And like you said, it makes it so that you are a key that fits their lock rather than you're some random key and you hope that you fit their lock, right? You want it to be, you want it to be clear that you do fit, right? That you are a good fit for them. Um, and the only way that you'll be able to do that is if you, like you said, if you know what the lock looks like and what their, what their particular goals are. And the other thing is you might des- decide that actually this company's goals are not aligned well with what my goals are. And then that way, that's an, a job you don't have to apply for, right? Then that's work that you don't have to do mm-hmm. because you've already right. determined this isn't a good fit. You don't have to go through the whole right. thing of like submitting a thing and then they re- interview you and then it goes poorly because, you know, that's a bunch of wasted time. So it also gives you the opportunity to to do a little curating of your own and you find a place that you want to work that you think you're well aligned. You then send in information that makes you, it looks like you're well aligned because you've got these skills that work and then that the relationship has a, a higher chance of blossoming than like we said, just blasting out 500 random emails. Right. Because you, it's tempting to just view a job as a job and all 500 jobs are the same and I just need one of those. And that's not really true. If you've had more than one job in your life, you know that one of them is better than the other. And if you've had a bunch of jobs, you know that probably there's a, a distribution and some of them are really good and some of them are just wretched. And uh, and something that might be wretched for you might be great for somebody else and vice versa. And so it's worth uh, putting in the time when you're looking to figure out what is the kind of place that is going to be great for me. Not the place that's going to be great in all respects for everybody, because there is no such place, just as you are not a great fit for everything. But there's going to be something, some number of things, a, a kind of a lot of things, because you're going to have a small percentage of a very big number of jobs are pretty good fits for you. And if you can find those things and put yourself in front of those people, then you're going to be a valued member of a small but still perfectly uh, sizable enough community. Yeah, agreed. All right. I think that uh, brings us to the conclusion of S2E1, as they say in the business. Part of the lingo. Yeah. If people would like to go back to uh, S1, 
E1-20. 20. 20. 20. Yeah. 20. Then, oh, where can people go and what can people do? So everything about our podcast is available at mvc.fm. That's our archive of our shows where you can listen on the page, access all the show notes that we talked about today um, or on any other uh, episode, and also how you can find out how to subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you get a podcast. You should be able to find us by just searching for a Model View Conversation. Um, if you could, if you use iTunes, if you could also go ahead and give us a rating and review, that would really help us out. And lastly, you can send us feedback um, by tweeting at us at mvcpodcast. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon.